Well, yeah. welcome. Welcome yeah. to another B2B pipeline show. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> doing great. That's, that's what we're going with. Go to market. Go to market. Pipe. It's all GTM now. Everything that's not janitorial services today is GTM. That's GTM. what I'm observing. <laughs> that's what I'm observing. Everybody, everybody's GTM now. But I'm observing in the we're market. Talk, I see we both have talking, our jackets on. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the sales technology space. The technology space, you know, in general with two tech insiders and all the things that go into this new environment that we're in. So, Greg, thanks for joining us on the show today. Great to be here, David. Always great to be here. Uh, we missed the December 28th podcast, but, you know, with the weather and storms and everything, but great to pick up right where we left off at the, and it's January 3rd or 4th, whatever it is today. So it's right at the new year. Perfect timing. Oh, this is great. And I know we're facing a big storm today, and we're hoping that our power stays on here in California. So, yeah, <laughs> so that's yeah. When you're an entrepreneur, you're like, man, I hope the power stays on. When you're just like somebody who hates their job, you're like, man, I hope the power goes out. So I have to learn that. Yeah, but I'm like, man, I hope the power stays on. I got a bunch of stuff to do. Well, Greg, last time we talked, we were seeing a big explosion in chat GPT, just the posts and the buzz and everything that was happening around that release. And even just in the last couple of weeks, you've seen applications start to, you know, build up utilizing chat GPT for other parts of the business, especially in sales and <clears throat> the marketing era. So I'm just curious, like, how do you see chat GPT, you know, in this space and actually, you know, aiding people in their sales and marketing efforts. Aiding and abetting yeah. in their, <laughs> their sales efforts. So yeah. a couple things, I think, I think there's going to be a mini cycle here. That's the Gardner concept of, you know, whatever it is, the high expectations. And I just remember the trough of disillusionment. It's like this yeah. sort of Hobbit-esque type phrase, you know, it's like a dangerous, you know, middle earth type place, but it's true. There is that. And I think we'll kind of go through that cycle with chat GPT. I think we're always starting to see some, you know, kind of the pendulum swinging a little bit back by people saying, well, Hey, this isn't that accurate and it's not. And so, you know, can you use it for factual things? And even Sam Altman said, you know, you can't really use it for important things. I don't know that I agree with that, but I can say mm. that from a sales perspective, from marketing perspective, you know, you've got the first obvious use case for, you know, generative AI, and just for the people who are listening, the concept of generative AI, which is different than other types of so-called AI or machine learning, this idea that you can generate outputs and the way it works, of course, is it predicts the next literally character, word, phrase, sentence, paragraph, book, right? It just kind of expands. But the concept is of generative AI is that it can produce, you know, content. Well, who produces content in organizations? You know, marketers produce a lot of content, what they get paid to do. It's typically a bunch of English majors who are really good writers and communicators and maybe got some PR people and, you know, functions like that. The obvious use case is going to be around like things like copywriting and writing blog posts and writing marketing messages and so on. That's been covered by, I mean, I was looking at the space just because we're sort of in this space. We're very much in the space. There are probably a, several dozen companies that are doing this right now today. And it's a fairly commoditized space. On the sales side, it's less well covered. And I think we're going to see many, many more companies, particularly startups. I mean, this is like when this happened, it's kind of like, 
you go back to whatever it was 2006 or whenever the iPhone first came out in the apps and then like everybody who was working on whatever is now working on this. And, it, you know, already supposedly like the GitHub and all the software people who were doing like, you know, Web3, whatever the heck that was and crypto were now like, oh, okay, well, there's nothing there. Let's go do chat GPT. So we'll start to see an explosion of that. But from a sales context, clearly like, you know, writing emails, you don't want your sales reps writing that many emails if you can have a machine do it better than you can. So marketing's been covered. Sales will be next. Sales in terms of writing emails and so on will be great. Writing your sequences will be valuable as well. There are lots of other use cases. There's some stuff that we're exploring, of course, a pattern AI that are going to be really compelling. But those are the first two things I think are going to just kind of explode out of the gate. Yeah. And have you noticed in the messaging, can you tell the difference between if you get a message from an AI versus a person at this point? Or, I mean, how many messages, outreach messages are you getting every day? Um, versus from know, people in, I mean, I will tell you, I take, you know, machine learning and AI over people in Eastern Europe and, you know, Bangladesh and India, you know, five days a week. I mean, those emails are like, you know, they're just not, they're not fluent. Like in the Valley, you expect a certain type of prose that people are writing. There's a language here we use. There's one in Los Angeles. There's one in New York. There's one in L. People in certain, you know, areas use certain language. You know, LA, it's probably a lot of this and so on. And But seriously, in tech, there's a language you use. When I worked in venture capital, investment banking, I remember we would have you know, people come pitch us and you could hear the people wouldn't say it the right way that you hear it in the valley. And you'd say that it's not, there's a term called shibboleth, right? And the shibboleth is this, you know, this, uh, I think it's a Yiddish term that the tribes used. And if you didn't, because some tribes couldn't pronounce those letters the right way. And so you knew they weren't from your tribe and they wouldn't let you in the walled city. It's a true story. There's a shibboleth in the valley. And if you don't speak that language, people can sense it. And um, now I don't think it matters that much, but it does matter a little bit if you're selling really high value enterprise software. I think people kind of expect it to A, come from a real sales rep. So that's been covered already. We're already seeing all these fake accounts on LinkedIn. So that whole machine learning thing or that whole whatever it is, has been covered. Now on the content side, so you can imagine now we've got fake people sending artificially generated emails, but it's pretty close. You can't really tell. But at the end of the day, the final analysis is if you're selling something valuable, hey, it's probably going to be picked up by somebody anyway. My concern is this, is that because ChatGPT comes from all the same internet scrapes, right, and the same books, everybody's using you know, OpenAI or some other open source model like Stable Diffusion or something like that, that if that's the case, they're all using the same content. It's like having everybody's using the same writer to write their emails for them, and that writer only knows how to write in one way. So your emails sound like my emails. That's the bigger concern. So if you look at these emails, if you experiment with them, they're not that good per se as emails, whether they sound authentic or they're not. They're not good because they're not authentic. They're generated. And I think that's going to be the big problem with these well, artificially generated you said emails. Something, you said something really interesting. So now you've got fake people sending out AI-generated yeah. messages on a mass scale that yeah. are decent, you know, good enough. That's crazy when you think about it because it gets why do worse. you need people at that point? Yeah. Well, you still need people, but it gets worse actually because think about this, because it's creating potentially, now OpenAI and others are working on, you know, these watermarks or fingerprints. It gets worse because imagine what's actually really happening. Yeah. So what's really happening is that you go scrape the internet. You basically download the entire internet, dump it into a deep learning model. That's OpenAI. 
And then you're like, hey, ask it a question, generates a you know news article or whatever. Now we're seeing thousands of news articles and every journalist in the world, the reason it's getting a lot of press is because journalists are writing about the thing that is threatening their jobs, right? If it weren't threatening their job, like nobody wrote as much about Dolly because journalists didn't get threatened by Dolly, which is the image generator, but they feel threatened by GPT, chat GPT. So they're writing much more about that. But they always start off with saying, ChatGPT wrote this article. Okay, well, guess what? So now you've got thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of articles being written by ChatGPT. And guess what happens to them? They get published on the internet. Okay, well, then guess what happens? Then OpenAI and others go and scrape the internet again, which is what they do. Then they run that into a deep learning model. So all the garbage stuff that was regurgitated from ChatGPT gets published on the internet. It gets scraped again, dumped in. And it's like this super duper spam machine that's like creating all this spam and putting on the internet. And that's a problem oh because at God. least before before November 30th or whenever it was, you had original human beings writing original content. And so a lot of that stuff was human thought that was naturally organically created. This is not that. This is stuff that's coming out of something, going on the internet and then going back in that thing. That's a really weird thing. But there's one more thing that's really interesting. I was on a podcast just yesterday and this guy asked me about my concerns about AI. Here's what's really, really spooky. So if you take the idea now what Dolly's doing, so Dolly can, you know, type, you know, have a, an astronaut riding a unicorn on the moon. Okay, that's pretty cool. So you see that. Now that's an actual real image. Now what's interesting is that they're actually creating some people in the space here creating videos, which are basically moving pictures, right? So those videos can be created. Well, here's what's really interesting. If you have fake LinkedIn profiles sending fake, not fake, but artificially generated content from generative models. Imagine now that you've got, and this is true, you have generated videos, artificially generated videos of people who are their avatars with fake content, with synthesized voices. You don't even know that this is me talking right now. That's a really spooky concept. I don't know that I'm talking to David Delaney here. I really don't know, right? Because you and I are not in person. I see your image. It looks very, very real to me, but I guarantee you in 10 years, you will not know the difference, of course, because I'm going to have watermarks, you will. That's a really spooky concept that on video, you won't know who you're talking to. You won't even oh know if it's God. really me talking right now or some avatar that's generated by a machine. And you're seeing it's already happened today. It's not some sci-fi thing. It, we're literally seeing content being generated by a machine. You can't tell the difference. It's not that not a big leap to connect those two dots and say, fast forward five years and make it a video. Well, I'll give you an example. Like, this is just a <laughs> hypothesis, but say you're a founder and you want to start a sales team, you know, this is in like five years, you're a founder, you have a good product market fit, you want to start a sales team. So what's to prevent you from just creating, you know, 100 LinkedIn profiles of fake people, inputting in the value prop, you know, to the AI generator, and then creating scripts or having the AI create scripts for videos that you then apply to sort of a fake video person, you press a button. And then as the founder, you just are checking the metrics every day, you know, to see what the conversion mm -hmm. rates are on this sales team that you have going out to market. Is that realistic to think about? Yeah, I forget what the date you said was, but I think it's, that's probably going to happen sooner rather than later. I mean, that will happen if that doesn't happen by next year, the year after, I'd be very surprised, right? It's already happening today. I mean, when we send emails, people who get emails from Pattern AI will see this, but like, we use a domain that's not pattern AI. That's not new. Everybody does it. So don't, you know, people don't come up with pitchforks at my door here. But like, just to tell you, when we send emails, we have some 
artificial LinkedIn profiles that everybody uses because it doesn't have to be a human being. It just has to be a LinkedIn account that sort of speaks to that. The emails are generated sometimes by a machine that we use, sometimes by people, typically by a machine that's then refined by a person. It's already happening today. Now, if you could just like push a button and it's completely automated, I don't know, maybe that's a few years out, but it's like, we're not talking about the future. This stuff is already happening today. And anybody who's in sales, who's listening to this podcast here right now, or this show, knows that their company is doing the exact same thing. Everybody, this is a big problem on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn doesn't care because they have you know, more users engaging with it and so on, but it's already happening. It's what everybody does in sales today and marketing. Yeah, because if you look at the business expense of having people, that's the number one line item. And especially salespeople, really high level salespeople, and to some extent SDRs, right? Because they have to be paid competitively to be able to attract top talent. So if you're a founder, and this isn't hypothetical because you are, you know, and you look at, Mm -hmm. okay, I can spend like $500,000 to get, you know, two or three people on the sales team doing this, Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. you know, $5,000 and press a button. And I'm essentially, I mean, I'm way ahead of where the technology is. Isn't that where it's going? Yeah. Maybe there is this idea that way back when people were talking about, you know, there's another alternate universe of doctors and you know nurses and people talking about how robots are going to replace them, right? And the reality is that if you're going to go get brain surgery or heart surgery, or you want to go get some real diagnosis, you probably want to talk with somebody who got an MD from a respectable school, who does their homework, who shows up. If nothing else, it'll hold your hand and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be whatever. There is this thing where the machine drops off and the human picks up. Now, if you say, I have a cold, I have the sniffles, you know, my tummy hurts, you probably can go to Google, you might go to ChatGPT, you might go to whatever other, you know, startups are probably being started right now for like, you know, ChatGPT for medical diagnoses, right? That stuff will pop up. But when it matters, where the human has to pick up, it's going to drop off. And so in sales, what do we pay salespeople for? What are we paying that $500,000 for? For influence. That's the only thing we pay salespeople for is influence. How do you influence people? Well, in sales, you listen to what people need, you understand their pains, discovery, things like that. And then you start to put together a solution and a value proposition, a proposal. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that human beings can do, only human beings can do for the next you know, 20 years. This is not like five years from now. This is a complex thing as an enterprise sales cycle. But if somebody wants to just go get some leads from an email that somebody actually says, yeah, sure, I'm interested, and they raise their hand, and then like that's all going to be handled by a machine. But at the point where the rubber hits the road and somebody says, I'm interested, a human's going to step in and they're going to start holding their hand and walking them through that sales cycle. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think the first layer of sales that the machines are really coming for is the sales development team, you know, to some extent, because of there's a lot of rote repetition and research and mm-hmm. finding names and stuff like that, which eventually mm-hmm. the machines will get. But I can say people... And this isn't a knock on anybody, but a lot of people give me free access to their AI SDR team. And I road test these things and they don't work. There's a lot of issues that still require a human being. So we're not quite there yet. But I think I feel like the SDR team, you know, is going to be the first casualty of this. Maybe. Well, remember, well, to the extent that, so the SDRs have a lot of functions, of course, right? So part of it is, you know, just 
spray and pray, right? We're just sending out 10,000 emails a day or you connect on LinkedIn. So there's these LinkedIn connection services. There's email from sent from a LinkedIn profile that's fake with an AI generated fake image, like from this person does not exist.com or whatever sites that are out there. That stuff is there. But at the end of the day, SDRs make a lot of outbound calls. So there's that whole, you know, telemarketing type outbound outreach, but that stuff still has to happen. And you can't do that with the machine, right? So you can't, I mean, you can robo dial somebody that happens already. You got connect and sell, you got these platforms out there. But when somebody says, yeah, hi, this is David. Like you can't have a machine go, hi, David, this is Greg. Would you like to buy our software? Press one for yes, press two for no. I'm guessing <laughs> most people are going to press two. You won't even get that far. Like the movie just phone gonna... guy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You've got a sales call. Press one to hang up. Yeah. So oh, man, like you're right. I mean, that we're stuff not even is there so is you can still, have the, there's a space the for people. I was just gonna say connect and sell can be dialing millions of people all at the same time, and they probably layer on the technology and they have a staff and all this stuff. But once you serve up the call, then you're right. That last yep. mile is not there. Yeah. It's gotta be human being, right? It has to be human being. It's like a doctor. Like I can get all my diagnoses from the internet and that's probably pretty accurate. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, if my tummy hurts for a long period of time, I'm going to go see a doctor and go say, Hey, you know, I have a bellyache and they're going to say, oh, okay, quit your belly aching. And then I'll say, okay, thanks. And so that's going to be the yeah. experience. Same with lawyers. Like at the end of the day, I'm not going to go to some AI machine and get all my legal work done. But if I just, you know, it was like Zoom, you know, Zoom doc or whatever it's called, Zoom law, whatever that what was that company that actually did pretty yeah, well. But I, know I think I'll get your legal templates for like a quick NDA or something like that. But if you're making a patent, like, you yeah. know, we filed a couple of patents, like you want somebody who really understands the art. It's literally called an art, the art of creating a patent photography. I mean, everybody's worried that this is going to replace them. It's not. It's going to enhance their jobs and get rid of the, you know, the garbage, you know, the dredge work that nobody really wants to do, which is nobody wants to sit there and just push, you know, send all day long for a bunch of emails. Machines can do that better, but machines cannot. So there's a saying in AI that is the machines can do things that humans find very, very difficult, like, you know, like multiplying nine digit numbers, you know in like milliseconds, right? Humans can do things that machines find very difficult, like just, you know, picking up a pen. Like machines just still can't do that. They can't take a dish out of the sink and put it in the dishwasher, you know, and push the start button. That stuff is so easy. Literally a two-year-old can do it, but machines cannot. And so there's this big gap and that gap is closing for sure, but it's years and years away from getting closed. In, Boy, uh, I wish machines could do that. And also folding- No, I'm waiting. If- you know, laundry. I've seen some prototypes of laundry folding machines, but they're just not yeah. quite there yet. You know, they're still pretty manual. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, the washer fold services it, are. Yeah. Oh, God. When I was single, I'd go to that once a week and just get the block of folded clothes back from the guy. Yeah. Dollar fifty a pound. That was the yeah. Purchase that I made. That's yeah. great. That's that like, was great. I, just, I, I used to I, say, I look forward to the day when I don't have to do laundry anymore. Yeah. Oh I might God. still look forward to that day. Yeah, I still you know, do. If, I still do it, and I don't like it. I still, I mean, we've got three baskets full that need to be done at some point. And so if any technologists are listening to this or looking for a problem to solve, yeah. we just paid for your time right there. Okay, yeah. so, and the last quick thing, Greg, is giving kudos to the humans out there 
I have a survey tool that I use. And the guy who made the survey tool did a video about how you can use chat GPT to make surveys. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. this is great. Well, the video was 45 minutes long. And <laughs> I was like, yeah. Dude, I could make like three surveys in 45 minutes. Like, and so yeah. I don't know, maybe it was just me being lazy, but it seemed like you got to really put in a lot of work to use the tool that's supposed to make your life better. But yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I was just reading an article just this morning that popped up in somehow my inbox. And I started going down a rabbit hole and I'm lucky I did that there was this huge explosion. If you remember and that reading the article, I was reminded of it back in 2016 or so when Siri and Google Assistant and Alexa for, and you know others first came out, there was an explosion in the so-called chat bots or the chatter bots. And you know, companies were raising money with you know venture capitalists, of course, you know, never late, you know, never to miss a, you know, a quick trend and you know, hop off this bandwagon. Actually, there was a even a quote there that was amazing. I should post on LinkedIn. It said, some VC said, you know, that you know, people are gonna draw, and this is 2015, people are gonna get off this stupid you know, Bitcoin bandwagon 2015, and they're going to finally get into something valuable. You know, if you rode the 2015 to 2020 Bitcoin bandwagon and sold it in 2022, that seven-year cycle could have made you a millionaire. But anyway, oh. this has already happened. Wow. People talked about this six or seven years ago, but now the technology has gotten better, like all things. It's really hard if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting something, like go do your research. Like some smart guy or gal back in 2001 has already done what you're doing. And you might be, and I spent a lot of time doing this. You might be wise to go research and do your homework. And that's why you see a lot of successful founders or people who, if we would tend to glamorize the wunderkind dude who's like 20, you know, and they start something in their dorm room or whatever. It's really the, the exception, not the rule. The rule is that the average experienced, the average successful founder is over the age of guess what? 40. It's amazing. It's not surprising to someone like you or me because you know that like you've got to have a perspective on the world. You have to understand your history of this town and know what people have done and what didn't work and why they failed and so on. There are young VCs out there who have no clue about what the VC cycles are like. There are founders out there who don't have their executives out there who've been doing this a long time. Many of those people kind of branch off and go start a company because they're like, man, I've been working on spend management for 15 years and now I can do it better. And they go start something turns to like whatever, you know, Koopa or something like that, right? This has already happened. I know it's a big hot thing now, but go back and do the research. It's like literally 2015, 16, there was an explosion of the chatbots because Siri and Google and Alexa came out and people were like, wow, I should do that. It's doing the same thing yeah. now. Well, it's interesting because, you know, Gartner, I get, you got to hand it to Gartner. I mean, this is a very simplistic model, but it really is accurate a lot of the times. And, you know, yeah. like maybe the voice Siri activation and, mm -hmm. and that, or even Web3 now is in sort of the trough of disillusionment. Yeah. But here yeah. comes that GPT. It's coming up again. And yeah. eventually yeah. it kind of stabilizes. I think yeah. what's interesting will, is the convergence of these things and mm -hmm. how, mm -hmm. you know, another show we'll do is on the deep fakes and mm -hmm. how deep fakes will converge with this model. Because where I'm trying to go with this, Greg, is as a founder, how do I just set up everything, you know, automated and as robots that don't cost me anything, but are out there selling on my behalf. And then I just, you know, cruise up to Tahoe and do some snowboarding. <laughs> well, I will say tell this. Tell me how to do just, that. That's what I'm looking for. You know, let me actually tell you the dirty little secret about AI being so free is, you know, being in the AI space. 
our Amazon bills are, and we're not like OpenAI. We partner with them. We partner with NVIDIA and AWS and Google and others, right? But so I have a pretty good understanding as the one who kind of writes the, you know, signs the checks. These are big bills. Like it costs a lot to run a GPU. Like these models, to build these models takes literally tens of millions of dollars for like a massive model, like these ones that, that are being built, but millions of dollars to build even a smaller one. It's costing you well into the six figures to run these kinds of things. So it's not like, yeah, I know you can kind of get little API called OpenAI or Google or something like that. But if you start to scale up a business around AI, the math that's required, the computation that's required to run those models is very, very expensive. And it's like, mm. you know, it's like a human being at some level because they're very expensive. There's nothing free. Valuable things cost money. AI is really valuable. It's going to cost a lot of money. So we're years away from making that. And by the way, as you know, new use cases arise and the compute required to serve them is going to be even bigger, right? So they're definitely not free. I wish they were because if we get big Amazon bills every month, I'm like, wow, that's, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, well, you're right. I mean, you burst my bubble there. Anything? <laughs> no, be... you could go buy Amazon stock. It's pretty cheap now, I think. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go run your AI model? Like, isn't it, you're not going to run it on your MacBook. It's going to be one of three <laughs> right. places. It's going to be going to be Google, Amazon, or Azure. Take your pick. Buy any of those stocks because that's where it's all going to sit. Well, there you go. I mean, I think that's a great tip. And we're not giving investment advice, disclaimer, but, you know, the infrastructure <laughs> behind all this that's empowering, yeah. you know, intrepid entrepreneurs like yourself to develop this is really where it's at, right? You're supposed to sell picks and shovels to all the 49ers that come to dig the gold, right? Yeah, yeah, right. The blue yeah. jeans, the blue gold, yeah. right? So Levi Strauss is, <laughs> is Levi Strauss is the only company still around. But like Azure, Microsoft is literally footing the bill for OpenAI because OpenAI itself, even raising a billion dollars, still has to have you know some you know wealthy patron to support them because this stuff is really, really expensive. It's very, very complex. But it's exciting. Well, There's no doubt. It's going to change our lives. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting to keep following this. And Greg, we hardly scratched the surface of my questions for you today, but you know, this gives us a lot to think about. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom. And yeah. we'll do a, a real webinar later in the month where we can dive into these topics further. But for oh, now, sure. Uh, That'd be great. Coming on we can time. talk about pattern AI and we'll talk about what we're doing actually, which we, of course, I can't talk about, you know, here like this. It'd be shameless self-promotion, but I look forward to that. We're doing some really cool things, actually. Absolutely. But great. Thanks for having me, David. It's always great. We should do this every day because there's so much to talk about. <laughs> Definitely. At least weekly, right? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of selling, I got to be on a sales call in one minute here and try to, you know, generate some money to start paying those big AWS bills. <laughs> All right. Go get them, Greg. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Happy New Year. Okay. Talk to you then.